The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up everybody, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, emergency remix podcast, I'm Will Brinson, this is the Kevin Savansky get tired by the Browns show. This is our daily NFL podcast. Joining me now, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner, McGuff. You're wondering where he is. You're wondering if he's alive. We don't know. We don't care. He is uh, asleep. Actually, he claims he's awake. Maybe he's with Freddie Kitchen somewhere. Tying one on. By the way, um, I think you misspoke when you said emergency, but I love the idea of an emergency podcast. You should say that every time from now on. Did I say emergency? Sounded like it to my old ears, but I like it. It's one so, of the. By the way, the we were up until like two o'clock recording the um, the old uh, Saturday night recap show, which you should check out by all means. Um, it is very frustrating that I am more. I don't, I don't use that word like I'm doing like dry January or whatever. I'm more hungover after staying up and recording a podcast and then just not getting a lot of sleep than I would be if I drank like two bottles of wine. Yeah, that's because you're you're detoxing. It'll get better before it gets worse. I just I'm just old, man. It just old. It, it 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 pains me, and it's no fun. By the way, you are you and Breach both. I obviously am. You both are older than Steven, Kevin Stefanski. Is that right? Thirty-seven, baby. Okay, I'll take it. Wow, that's weird. He's hired as a head coach of the Cleveland Browns, so the Browns hired someone younger than all three of us. And, and they expect him to make this work in Cleveland, and they're going to give him time to do it. Okay, interesting. Um, like as we mentioned, the, the yeah. potential GM is going to be younger than Stefanski too. Andrew Barry's thirty-two, so we'll see this. So it's going to be a young crop of guys, all Depodesta guys. It sounds like the former Major League Baseball general manager who was heavy on stats. But uh, I just want to put that out there. So carry on, sir. Okay. But without looking, how old do you think the oldest coach in the AFC North is? It's probably Tomlin, and Tomlin's forty-seven. I'm trying to think. Um, Bengals coach Zach, Zach Taylor's in his 30s, and then oh, John Harbaugh's a little older, so John Harbaugh might be 50. And that's I, I thought John Harbaugh was 51. That's what I thought. I looked it up before the podcast. John Harbaugh is 57. Yeah, nice. He's a, he's a good looking 57. Guy's taking care of himself. All right, way to go, Johnny H. Like if you just looked at Ryan and John Harbaugh, you'd be like Ryan's much older. No, wrong. I have people tell me all the time I look like in my mid 30s, and they're not family. No one, no one tells. No, me. they mean. You aren't look you like, like aren't you why is early laughing, by the way? Why they you mean they mean that you look like you were born in the mid thirties. Well played, uh, well played. Uh, how about Devo cackling? It's like this guy thinks he's in his mid thirties. Devo's solemn all the time, and then uh, I make a I'm thirty five years old joke, and he falls out of his chair. <laughs> um, 
So yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know what. Look, this is what happens when we record a podcast late on Saturday night. Kevin Stefanski gets tired. Look, this everyone should have seen this coming. With the way that things. And by the way, you know what I should have seen coming? Kevin Stefanski not doing a good job with the game plan against the 49ers because he was so busy interviewing for the Browns. I, I really think we need to take a deep dive into that and see like how offense or how coaches do when they interview on a short week like that. Because I mean, look, the reality is. If you're thinking about a head coaching job instead of, I mean, like if you spend, if you're game planning for a divisional round game and you go and you spend four hours traveling, six hours interviewing, I mean, like you're, you're naturally as a human being going to spend a couple hours thinking about that future job. And so I just, I just think it's a bad distraction. I don't, well, generally when that happens, the team comes to them. So the Browns would have flown to Minnesota, but still, if you're spending four to six hours in the interview, that's four to six hours you're not on the game. And plus, the Vikings were off a short week. They were the only team that had five days rest. And so you already lost today compared to every other team. You're at a disadvantage. Now you're at more of a disadvantage because your offensive coordinator is out flirting with another team when you're supposed to be getting ready for the playoffs. Well, one thing, not only the 46-hour interview, you have to prepare for it. But the good news is he probably just brought us notes from last year when they hired Freddie Kitchens. So he had all that already. He probably said the exact same thing, and they're like, look, we're sorry. We, did, we didn't hire you the first time. That was our fault. So as Jason Lockenfor has reported previously, the Browns wanted to hire Kevin Stefanski back in 2018, or 2009, before 2019, excuse me, after the 2018 offseason. The analytics department put together sort of a model to determine who would be the best head coach, and Stefanski really popped as the young offensive mind that they should hire and go with. Um, this is after, of course, that the Browns had gone all in on analytics, kicked all their assets to the curb, uh, and then decided to bail on analytics, go with John Dorsey, let him do all the drafting of the players, go all in on Freddie Kitchens, who's definitely not analytically driven. Um, they went, like, they went, they're like all in on analytics for a year and a half, then they're like, alright, this isn't working, the, we're not great, all of a sudden, and they decided to go all in on football guys. And then the football guys think flames out. So they're like, all right, maybe we should go back to analytics and try the analytics thing. So now, after burning a year and all the draft capital that they saved up by letting John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens ruin it, they have decided to go back to analytics with Kevin Stefanski. Paul DePodesta clearly has a huge influence on this hire. Uh, DePodesta, a Harvard alumni, Stefanski, a Pitt, you, you a Penn alumni, both smart dudes. I like the move from the perspective of – Hey, you were hiring a guy who really emphasizes play action. You were hiring a guy who uh, believes in uh, the a certain way to approach the game, who believes that an, an analytically driven approach can uh, dramatically improve your chances of winning. And you have aligned the front office. And if they bring in Andrew Barry, you have aligned the front office and the coaching staff. The biggest problem I have is that what? Why are we? Why are we supposed to believe that Jimmy Haslam is going to let this? actually play out and actually try to work over a, uh, anything longer than a year and a half or two years. Um, Peter Schrager tweeted this out uh, as you were speaking, I believe. The Browns organization was, quote-unquote, split on Freddie versus Stefanski last year. So Yeah, it was on the top of my feed. That's why I read the Harvard thing. Okay, that's fine. Um, and, and also, don't forget, Jimmy Haslam is also the same man that the Browns put together uh, sort of an exhaustive research paper on who they should draft in 2014 and the two words that came back were Teddy Bridgewater, and he instinctively decided to take Johnny Manziel. So you're right. He is the issue, and his impulsivity is the reason, in large part, that the Browns have been truly terrible, um, even by Brown standards in recent years. I mean, they went 0-16 and then 1-15, I believe. So, yeah, he has to get out of the way. And, and my advice to him, 
Uh, he was a, a former minority owner of the Steelers. Do what the Roonies do. I would also advise him to see what Robert Kraft does and do that. Sit in the box, cheer like crazy, and then go home. You don't need to be making personnel decisions every two weeks. And um, the reports are that the last person in his ear is generally which way he leans. So that not only does that create issues in terms of, uh, of continuity, it creates issues in terms of people below you sort of trying to get in, in a, a backbiting situation because they want to be the last person to talk to you when they want something to happen. So it becomes very political and, and all those things sort of snowball. I, I think you want something sort of what Matt Rule said in his press conference in terms of everyone being on the same page and everyone buying in and all, all the other things we usually hear. But I'll repeat to you guys what I said on HQ when we were talking to, to Amanda Gare about this. Uh, Stefanski's 37. He's been coaching for 14 years. He started in Minnesota with Brad Childress, and Brad Childress was asked last year by NFL's Tom Pelissero about Stefanski, and here's what he said. The best thing about Stefanski is he can keep a cool head when everyone else is losing theirs. That's something we never saw last year with Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. And if he can do that, I think that's a large step in the right direction, no matter the X's and O's, because at this point, this job, more importantly, it's about being a CEO. It's not about being bogged down in the minutia. You have to be able to, to manage people, and that's something that Freddie Kitchens obviously was too overwhelmed to do. Well, and I think that could be a potential issue here is that something else we talked about in HQ is that, look, you have a guy with no head coaching experience being brought in, and boom, you're the head coach. He, he was only an offensive coordinator for one year, one full year, because he took over for, I think, the final three games of the 2018 season. And during that one full year, the Vikings brought in Gary Kubiak to help him and kind of hold his hand and help him with this offense and, and fix something, a West Coast style offense that Kirk Cousins could thrive in. Like Cousins did, uh, you know, when he learned under Kyle Shanahan with the Redskins and earlier in his career. So we don't know how good Stefanski is. And I think a big question is, is he going to pull a Freddie Kitchens? Is he going to try and be the offensive play caller, be his own offensive coordinator? Because that's something you don't need to put on your plate when you're a first year head coach, but it's also something that usually offensive minds, they don't want to give that power up. They go in there. He's thinking, I'm calling plays. Uh, I don't care how hard this head coaching job is. I saw Sean McVay call plays. I can do it. So this is a fine line of something that could turn into another Freddie Kitchens disaster or uh, Dee Podesta's Moneyball analytics pays off and it ends up being a home run. So I'm not really sold either way, but I do see uh, the trail where this ends up being another Cleveland Browns coaching disaster. Yeah, I mean, look, it's ultimately on the owner. I mean, this is great that you've aligned the front office and the coach, but you know, but as we point out, like we don't know what Kevin Stefanski will be, and it's so. I think these numbers are kind of interesting, and I mentioned them on CBS Sports HQ. But uh, Kirk Cousins in 2019, 141 play action dropbacks. He completed 71.5 percent of his passes. Uh, he had monster numbers just in terms of what he was able to, and this is via Sports Info Solutions, our, our very helpful friends. Um, he, uh, let me bring it back up because I changed it to non-play action. He had 13 touchdowns and two interceptions on those play action passes, 1,285 yards on uh, 13, one, 137 attempts, which I know, Ryan, you're a math major, but I'll do the math for you. It's point four yards per attempt that's pretty good we saw a i mean i think the vikings kind of exploded on offense right they had the first ever rookie center to catch two passes in one season so you can't really discount that um yeah two yeah counting the playoff when he had another one during the regular season well done yeah great job great bradbury but no look i mean like 
the I think the analytics approach to that offense really helped it take a leap forward. And the Vikings were a good offense. They ran up against a, a juggernaut defense in the uh in the freaking in the freaking forty niners. And if you look at Baker Mayfield's stats last year, non play action passes, he had uh four hundred seventeen attempts. Only two hundred sixty five of those were on target. He completed three hundred eighty six of them. Fifty six point five percent completion percentage, two hundred forty seven two thousand four hundred seventy two yards, twelve touchdowns, seventeen interceptions, thirty one sacks on his play action passes. And it stands to reason that Baker Mayfield, like any quarterback, would be better on play action. He had 148 passing attempts. He completed almost 67% of those, 1,355 yards. That's 9.2 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, and just four interceptions. So, like, Stefanski's, I mean, by all accounts, the Freddie Kitchens era wasn't just a disaster on the field and how he uh, approached it with, you know, Baker and Odell Beckham and management and in-game decisions. But it was one of those, like, you hear about a, a basketball coach, like a college basketball coach. You know, he's like the guy who just rolls the ball out during practice. It's like, all right, boys, like, shoot the ball around. Let's see what we can do. I mean, Stefanski, I'm not saying he's going to be some hard-ass disciplinary guy, but he's going to have a an approach that focuses on being able to utilize analytics to determine the best possible plays, um, very interesting who his offensive coordinator is. There's a report. Ralph uh, Vacchiano of SNY uh, says, expect Pat Shermer to be a candidate for the OC job in Minnesota, where he was before he jumped to the Giants. If not, he could be an OC candidate in Cleveland, too. He and Stefanski are close. Shermer tried to bring Stefanski to New York, but the Vikings blocked it. Can you imagine Pat Shermer, previously fired by the Browns, going to be the Browns? He's like, he's the first guy that Jimmy has him fired. Is he going to go back and be the offensive coordinator there? I don't think so. I mean, that would be hilarious. And and I do think that, uh, that is what Stefanski needs is a guy with head coaching experience in the OC position. And and that's what Freddie Kitchens should have done too. So you have that guy who can help you, uh, kind of get through that first year. And I know, Brinson, you were talking about a lot about what Stefanski did with the Vikings offense this year. But let me just add that when the Vikings offense cratered in 2019, they cratered badly. There have been 262 games played in the NFL this year between the regular season and the playoffs. There have only been five out of 262 where an offense was held under 150 yards. Two of those five are the Vikings. So there have been some pretty ugly performance, not just that 49ers game. The Packers game, which was a huge Monday night game where that offense came out and fell flat on its face. Uh, so we've seen that multiple times where this team choked on the big stage and you got to blame some of that on the offensive coordinator who's calling the plays for the offense. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I would argue that it's partially because Mike Zimmer loves to establish the run and that when you see Kirk Cousins and when that offense would get smothered, it would just die. It would like wither and die. And I don't know if that was Stefanski entirely, like against the 49ers. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, nobody knows except Stefanski, Zimmer, the, you know, the players on that team, Kirk Cousins, et cetera. But it would feel like whenever they would get down two touchdowns, Mike Zimmer's like, well, we had a good run. Let's, <laughs> let's see if we can uh, get Dalvin going and maybe we'll get our defense. It's like, what are you doing? Run the, run up tempo. Get it going. And I will say real quick, I absolutely agree with that. It does feel like Mike Zimmer had fingerprints on the Vikings offensive game plan where he kind of nudged Stefanski like we need to run the ball more. And so Stefanski will obviously have free reign in Cleveland. So maybe he does open it up more 
and stops having nightmares of Mike Zimmer uh, foiling with his game plans. By the way, the reason I, I audibly snorted is uh, Mark Sessler of NFL Media tweeted a picture of Stefanski. At the very least, he looks like he'd be the hot dad with a complicated home life and a Netflix dramedy, which is a very good description. of. And Sean McVay's last game before he was hired as the Rams coach. Saw that. He, huh? I saw it on Twitter. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Uh, I mean, tell, tell the listeners. I was trying to. I mean, yeah, quit talking. I saw the Sessler thing on Twitter too, but I thought I'd let you tell the story since people can't read your minds through, through their uh, iPhone machines. Uh, all right, let me take a sip, regroup. <laughs> Ryan is drinking hard liquor at one twenty on Sunday to get through his podcast with Brinson. I'm drinking herbal tea. Um, yeah, Sean McVay's last game that Brenton saw on Twitter, just so everyone knows, because God forbid he's not the first to know something before other people do. He allowed, he scored 10 points in a game coached by, uh, Breach's favorite player and, and coach, excuse me, Ben McAdoo. So that's not necessarily an indictment on, on Stefanski being a good coach just because he got railroaded by the 49ers, a very good football team. But, um, you know, that's the last thing that, that people will remember. And if you're a Browns fan, it seems like the most Browns thing ever. Yeah. All right. Um, are we taking a break, Debo? Give me a thumbs up if we're taking a break. We are taking a break. Then we come back. Um, we will discuss winners and losers from the fallout of this, uh, this little hiring. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. So Kevin Stefanski in. Sounds like Andrew Barry will be back, or they're at least interviewing him. Paul De, Paul DePodesta. Um, I, you know what? I would say that my big winner in the Browns hiring, and by the way, make sure and subscribe to the Pick 6 podcast because you will get all our shows that pop out. We can fire them out regularly. It's a daily show, but it comes out more often than that. Uh, we will have a winners and losers from coaching season, SZN, uh, with Jonathan Jones coming up on Tuesday. Of course, uh, Monday, we'll have our recap of the Sunday night games. And uh, make sure and check out YouTube.com slash CBS Sports. You can get our look-ahead lines for the division for the championship weekend. Only um, So we're recording this at 1.30 on Sunday afternoon. There's only five football games left in the season. That's terrifying. Um, Brentson, I know you probably saw this, but I'll, I'll put it out there anyway. So Richard Sherman just saw the news that Kevin Stefanski was hired, and his 
tweet response was, wow, just wow, just W-O-W. Guess I should have expected it. What, do, what does that mean? That means that the 49ers beat them down so badly, he's shocked that that guy's still employed by an NFL team, let alone as a head coach. Okay, perfect. I would also guess that Richard Sherman believes that Robert Sala should have been the Browns head coach. Oh, yeah, there you go. There's the connection. Yeah. Um, Glad I know you guys. And uh, it's possible that maybe he's making a reference to the white guy getting the job. I don't know. Possible? Maybe? Those are your words. <laughs> The W dot 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 oh dot 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 W just feels like I don't know. No, go ahead. I want to hear how this ends. I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, it's not. I was going to leave Brenton hanging out the dry because it was fun because he you don't hear him go speechless too often. But yeah, I do. I do. White offensive coordinator who just got his nuts kicked in by the 49ers defense is getting hired. I understand that Sean McVay scored. Ten points. All right, a good segue into winners losers, I guess. All right, so who's? Uh, I would say that I would say the Forty ers We're just talking just specifically Cleveland hiring winners and losers. I'd say the Forty ers are big winners here because all the jobs are filled now. Robert Sala is not leaving. Big winners, Forty ers You got Robert Sala; he's going to be back next year. You got Richard Sherman; he'll be back. You got all these stud defensive linemen. Nick Bosa's on his, he's a freaking rookie. You got Quan Alexander, who you signed, who was a big help there. And there's no reason to think that the 49ers, who are in the NFC title game and are heavy favorites, regardless of what happens to Seattle Green Bay, um, they're heavy favorites to go to the Super Bowl. You're squatting on a great defense for next year and running backs are, you know, interchangeable. You got Jimmy G, you got Kyle Shanahan. You have to feel good about the long-term future of the 49ers now. Uh, my winner is everyone who didn't get the job because, by God, <laughs> why would you want this job? It is just – it's a coaching graveyard. You last there one or two years, you get fired, and you're done, and you fall off the face of the earth forever. It's a – I mean, Pat Shermer eventually recovered. We saw Rob Chudzinski. Do you guys know what he's doing right now? He lives next door to you, I think. How would you know? Are you stalking me? Yes. Uh, but- no, he does not live next door to me. He is he, – he, he worked for the Colts after that, but now I think he is not with an NFL team. So he's literally out of the NFL. Mike Pettin, who got fired by the Browns, uh, eventually snuck back in and got hired by the Packers as their defensive coordinator, but only after three years out of the league. It's literally like a three-year banishment once you get fired by the Browns. And obviously we could go on to Hugh Jackson, but we don't need to. Uh, but anyway, this is not an easy place to succeed. Obviously, if Stefanski does have success, takes him to the playoffs, he's going to be a coaching legend. They'll build him a statue uh, before they even play their first playoff game. But this, by all means, since the Haslam's have owned it, has been an absolute disaster. They don't usually give you any time. What happens if they go 6-10 and 10 next season and they don't even beat the record that Freddie Kitchens had in 2019? I mean, that just makes you look foolish for making this higher. So there's just... This has too much downside, so my winners are the people who did not get the job. Uh, my winner is Paul DePodesta. He finally won the power struggle. John sure. Dorsey's out. Freddie Kitchen's out. And maybe we're having a different conversation if Stefanski was hired a year ago and not Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey. Maybe not. I mean, history tells us that this team is going to be terrible forever. But maybe this is the turning point. And obviously, Jimmy Haslam has to just get out of the way. I don't think he can do it. But if he does... I feel like this team could be really good on paper. I say it all the time. They're the best team on paper in, in, in the AFC North, but they're so poorly mis- so poorly managed that they just, you know, 
implode on themselves weekly. So I'll go with Paul D. Podesta, but with the understanding <laughs> that what Breach said is 100% true based on history. Well, yeah, and it's interesting, too, just to touch on that front office structure, because if you think about what's happened with the Cleveland Browns, by all accounts, like you listen to people around that team, Jimmy Haslam's problem is that he is, A, very impatient, but B, will, like, easily allow people to get his ear. So, like, if if he has a bunch of people working underneath him who have competing factions, he'll listen to Hugh Jackson one day. Then he'll listen to John Dorsey. Then he'll listen to Paul DePodesta. Then he'll listen to Sashi Brown. And, like, he, 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 like, easily, like, you can easily curry favor with him very quickly and get his ear and he'll respect your opinion. But then he'll, like, turn on you very, very quickly as well. And so one thing that I think is worth noting about this front office now is that it seems like, at the very least, it's going to be Paul DePodesta and Andrew Barry if they bring him in. And then Kevin Stefanski is the head coach. So all those guys, again, are aligned and speaking to Jimmy Haslam on one front. Now, if they don't win football games, it won't matter. He'll bring in somebody else who can, can speak to something else. But the idea that you're going to have Sashi Brown and Hugh Jackson, who are not on board with the same stuff, and then you're going to fire Sashi Brown and bring in John Dorsey, who, again, competing with Hugh Jackson. And then you're going to fire Hugh Jackson um, and, you know, like, and then have keep Paul DePodesta around. Like, they always had these conflicting interests speaking to Jimmy Haslam, and that's how you create turmoil and chaos in an organization. So, um, of note, somebody who talked about it before the podcast. Oh, yeah, somebody pointed out that Josh McDaniels, um, I'd say he's a winner because he didn't take this job, like Breach pointed out. Uh, and Tom Brady's a winner and Bill Belichick's a winner because they get Josh McDaniels back. That, I think that'll help the case for bringing Tom Brady back to New England. It's a benefit for Bill Belichick, who's lost a lot of coaches, including Joe Judge, a special teams coach. Um, who's, who's the report, Ryan, who said that McDaniels wanted to blow it all up? Uh, Benjamin Albright. So Ben Albright of, uh, Pro Football Network. Pro Football Network, PFN. Sure. Um, reports that McDaniels wanted to come in and blow the whole thing up. Frankly, that would have been smart. That's what they should do is just completely lay waste to the Cleveland Browns front office and organization. Clear everybody out. I mean, and like, I don't want people to lose their jobs, but like at some point you have to realize that this is not working and blow it all up. By the way, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, who's been crushing a lot of stuff in terms of breaking news on the head coaching front, tweeted this out as well. Um, he said in terms of McDaniels, as I said before, he wanted a specific structure with the Browns and it wasn't going to be the right fit. I will repeat what I said before. Josh wasn't going to an organization where Deepa Desta or anyone else was a quote side jury and quote reporting to Haslam on his job. And that sort of gets to what you and I were saying, Brenton, about you got to be in Haslam's ear last if you want to get done what you want done. Otherwise it's going to be a political struggle. So McDaniels just said no thanks according to, to Albright and Robinson. But I do wonder, I feel like the, the shine's off that rose a little bit. McDaniels? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think that Bill Belichick has probably told him, and if you think about how Bill Belichick handled the- Why is he interviewing for these jobs then? Well, you just, I mean, you gotta find it, like, Bill Belichick was gonna take the Jets job and bailed at the last second. And he, it was probably the best decision of his career. Like, we don't, I mean, I'm not saying, he, I don't know what happens if he goes to the Jets and he coaches the Jets and they fail. Does he, is he like thrown in the cast off? He was a really good coach in Cleveland. They didn't have a quarterback. No, I know, but I'm saying like if you fail twice as a head coach in the NFL, somebody, I think the bigger story is he went to Cleveland and he's not, he actually still has a job. That's the bigger story. He's the one guy he went to Cleveland. So well, he was the last guy before they rebooted. But my point being is that like, 
I think Bill Belichick has probably instilled in Josh McDaniel's mind that it is paramount to pick the correct job your second time because if you do not, it can potentially alter, you know, what you know sure. your your the rest of your career. But also I think there was an agent. I know his agent fired him or they parted ways after he pulled out of the, the Colts job, which wasn't a bad job. And also I think another agent or someone said at the time you're doing this is career suicide. Right. Yeah. There's a right. He he bailed on the jet he bailed on the Colts like Bill Belichick bailed on the Jets and now he got turned down by the Browns. So But yeah, right now he's still a winner. I think you don't take this job knowing that the political structure is such that it's yours are gonna be the first one to, to get to get shot when, they, when bullets start flying. Uh, any, I'd say Baker Mayfield's a winner too. They hired somebody who's, yeah, he's 23. He needs someone to tell him what to do. He, yeah. It's not, it's not his responsibility to be the team leader last year on that dysfunctional group of misfits. Yeah. Um, what was the... winner is also people who have drama because I think one of the underrated part of the Vikings offense this year was all the drama they provide. They're just not in a big market. I mean, how many times do we see Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen yelling at Kirk Cousins on the sideline because the offense wasn't working? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so bad that Kirk Cousins literally went on a radio show and apologized to Stefan Diggs at some point in October. Uh, and if that would happen in Cleveland with Odell instead of Stefan Diggs and Baker Mayfield instead of Kirk Cousins, it blows up exponentially so i mean the vikings had a lot of the same issues the browns had so i just wouldn't be surprised if they resurface in cleveland and so people who love drama you're the winner that could be more mike zimmer but i will say this about mike zimmer for as much as there were rumors that he might lose his job that team wins football games you can hate that guy but i mean you know he ain't running the bank he's running the football team and i suppose if you hate him that's fine but he seems to get the results i mean i've heard too, that like working for Mike Zimmer is not the most pleasant experience. Right. He, he doesn't look like someone that would be fun to work for. Let's put it that way. He is no nonsense. He's a Bengals defensive coordinator for a while. He swears up and down. He loves using cuss words, does not F around, tells you how it is, doesn't butter anything. There's no sugarcoating anything. Uh, <laughs> so, so no sugar diet? Well, some players like that. Some players don't, you know. Yeah. The irony, that you, the irony that you didn't use a cuss word. After saying that he swears up and down, it's kind of funny. Okay, anything else on uh, the Browns head coaching hire? Feels we- empty. Feels a little. Do you feel a little bit of piece of emptiness without Sean on here? I do not. One more thing <laughs> on the Browns coaching hire. Uh, let's just take an early guess right now on who they hire next January. Mm, uh, Josh McDaniels. He'll oh, be yeah. interviewed. We know that. Um, yeah. We didn't do losers, so we do losers really quickly, or no? Yeah, sure, losers. Well, you mentioned I'll, – I'll start quickly just so I can get this in. It'll be short. You mentioned the 49ers as winners, but I think the loser is Robert Sala because he didn't get the job. Yeah. And sort of following up on Richard Sherman's tweet. So I'm sure he's uh, not happy today, and maybe he'll channel that energy into the game plan for the championship game, whoever they play. But, uh, yeah, he seems like a big a big loser in terms of not getting the Browns job. But as John would probably say, he's actually a winner because he didn't get the Browns job. <laughs> Uh, who you got, Breach? I'm trying to think of a loser. Uh, I'm gonna say Browns fans, because look, if you're a Browns fan and you were watching the Vikings 49ers playoff game, and I'm not saying the Browns need to be basing their decision off one playoff game, they did an extensive interview process, they have a whole season long of evidence of what he can do, but if you are a Browns fan and you watch that game, and you saw how badly the Vikings offense played. You literally, when that playoff game ended and the Vikings only scored 10 points, you were saying to yourself, please don't hire Kevin Stefanski. He just got slaughtered by our other coaching candidate, and that is who the Browns should hire. Uh, so if I'm a Browns fan, I'm not feeling very confident right now about the last time I saw my new coach on the field. They were getting slaughtered by the 49ers defense. So Browns fans, 
you are not the losers, but you're the losers uh, because you have to get through another mystery hire that nobody knows if it's going to pan out. Um, I'm trying to think of a loser. I can't. I mean, Robert Sala and the. There are plenty of losers. Oh, actually, no, I know another one. Kirk Cousins. So now Kirk Cousins, who has. There you go. Uh, can, uh, let's check with Mike Zimmer. How much, uh, do you might know how much, how many, how many, what his contract situation is? No one knows what he makes. I don't know what Zimmer's from. He's not country, but. He's three, I mean. I don't know what his kind's too late. 385, right? 385, right? Yeah. 2020 is Kirk Cousins' final year with the Vikings. Uh, he will be 32. He will hit the free agent market again because they, I would doubt that they're going to tag him. But when you lose Kevin Stefanski, now I think you get Pat Shermer back and I think Cousins could probably thrive under, um, Pat Shermer if, if they end up hiring him as the offensive coordinator again. But I mean, he's, Cousins is definitely a loser here because Stefanski was a good offensive coordinator for him. And, what and was, I thought we just said it may be Kubiak's doing. Well, I think it was, but I mean, Stefanski's the offensive player. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, think the, I think Cousins is a loser though. Either way, I agree with that. The Vikings offense took a step forward this year from what we had seen the previous year. Yeah, no. And Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator, and to me, that you know, I would be disappointed if I was Kirk Cousins. So, so it was uh, Stefanski, DeFilippo for most of the season last year, and the year before that was Shermer, right? No, who was it before that? No, no, because Shermer was with the Giants for two years. So right. Shermer was the Case Keenum's final year. Then Shermer got hired by the Giants. Then they hired John DeFilippo from the Eagles. Oh, he lasted more than a year. No. He, DeFilippo was there for 2018, but got fired and replaced by Stefanski. Oh, right. Yeah. And yeah. Then Stefanski took over for the end of the season last year. And now. God, it feels like Shermer's been in New York for 10 years. Okay. Got it. All right. Last one. We'll get out of here. Over, under six and a half wins for the Browns. That is perfect. Under. I'm going under right now. John. I'm going to go over. I think they go eight and eight. What do you think they're going to do this year? Uh, I think I predicted eight and eight. <laughs> what is the response from Browns fans when they go eight and eight? They're happy. Uh, they're happy. Uh, right? Better than, is that? Wait, is that like second place in the AFC North, or third place, or fourth place? I think that plays into it. Eight, 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 eight means they're probably winning some divisional games. I, I agree that that plays into it because like eight and eight, if like Joe Burrow and Cincy are like nine and seven, is and the Ravens and the Steelers are both ten and six or something, is a total disaster. This is a terrible football team. I, I think they take eight and eight. And by and, the way. What did um Andy? I mean, I'm sorry. What did Marvin Lewis do in his last year, John, compared to two wins this year? What was that record two years ago? Uh, he did better. I think he won six games. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, he probably can't be worse than Freddie Kitchens, and there's a lot of talent. So it's it's a good job for Kevin Stefanski to take. We'll see if he's successful. And I will say real quick, the Browns' schedule next year includes teams like the Jets, the Giants, the Redskins, the Colts, who don't really have a quarterback, the Raiders, and then obviously the Bengals twice. So there are definitely some winnable games on it. Those don't sound like easy games. And the Colts do have a quarterback. I don't know why you hate Jacoby Brissett so much. The Giants and the Jets and the Redskins don't sound like winnable games. And the Bengals twice, that's five right there. Breach, the Jets beat the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers always lose to bad teams, Ryan. You are the king of that, that talking point. Oh. Okay, this is enough. Let's get out of here. Uh, emergency podcast in the books. We'll be back on Monday, Sunday night, Monday morning, depending on how late you're up. Probably record around 11.30, we hope. And uh, we'll have it up late night, early morning to recap Sunday's divisional round action. And then, again, we'll be back on uh, Tuesday as well with Jonathan Jones. Jason Lockenfloor is going to hang around. Going to be a ton of great podcasts in the coming weeks. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Rate and review. Talk to you guys later. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models. Like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.